Section 23 of Lives of the Saints with Reflections for Every Day of the Year by Rev. Alvin Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. November 16th, St. Edmund of Canterbury. St. Edmund left his home in Abingdon, a boy of twelve years old, to study at Oxford, and there protected himself against many grievous temptations by a vow of chastity and by espousing himself to Mary for life. He was soon called to active public life, and, as treasurer of the Diocese of Salisbury, showed such charity to the poor that the dean said he was rather the treasure than the treasurer of their church. In 1234 he was raised to the see of Canterbury, where he fearlessly defended the rights of church and state against the avarice and greed of Henry III. But finding himself unable to force that monarch to relinquish the livings which he kept vacant for the benefit of the royal coffers, Edmund retired into exile sooner than appear to connive at so foul a wrong. After two years spent in solitude and prayer, he went to his reward, and the miracles wrought at his tomb at Pontigny were so numerous that he was canonized in 1246, within four years of his death. Reflection The saints were tempted even more than ourselves, but they stood where we fall, because they trusted to Mary and not to themselves. November 17th St. Gregory Thaumaturgus. St. Gregory was born in Pontus, of heathen parents. In Palestine, about the year 231, he studied philosophy under the great Origen, who led him from the pursuit of human wisdom to Christ, who is the wisdom of God. Not long after, he was made bishop of Neo Caesarea in his own country. As he lay awake one night, an old man entered his room and pointed to a lady of superhuman beauty and radiant with heavenly light. This old man was St. John the Evangelist, and the lady told him to give Gregory the instruction he desired. Thereupon he gave St. Gregory a creed which contained in all its fullness the doctrine of the Trinity. St. Gregory said it in writing, directed all his preaching by it, and handed it down to his successors. Strong in this faith, he subdued demons, he foretold the future. At his word a rock moved from its place, a river changed its course, a lake was dried up. He converted his diocese and strengthened those under persecution. He struck down a rising heresy, and, when he was gone, this creed preserved his flock from the Arian pest. St. Gregory died in the year 270. Reflection Devotion to the Blessed Mother of God is the sure protection of faith in her divine Son. Every time that we invoke her, we renew our faith in the incarnate God. We reverse the sin and unbelief of our first parents. We take our part with her who was blessed because she believed. November 18th On Christmas Eve 877, a noble of Aquitaine implored Our Lady to grant him a son. His prayer was heard. Odo was born, and his grateful father offered him to St. Martin. Odo grew in wisdom and in virtue, and his father longed to see him shine at court. But the attraction of grace was too strong. Odo's heart was sad, and his health failed until he forsook the world and sought refuge under the shadow of St. Martin at Tours. Later on he took the habit of St. Benedict at Baum, and was compelled to become abbot of the great abbey of Cluny, which was then building. He ruled it with the hand of a master and the winningness of a saint. The Pope sent for him often to act as peacemaker between contending princes, and it was on one of those missions of mercy that he was taken ill at Rome. At his urgent entreaty, he was borne back to Tours, where he died at the feet of his own St. Martin. November 19th. 
and 942. Reflection. It needs only, says Father Newman, for a Catholic to show devotion to any saint in order to receive special benefits from his intercession. November 19th, St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Elizabeth was daughter of a king of Hungary and niece of St. Hedwig. She was betrothed in infancy to Louis, landgrave of Thuringia, and brought up in his father's court. Not content with receiving daily numbers of poor in her palace and relieving all in distress, she built several hospitals where she served the sick, dressing the most repulsive sores with her own hands. Once, as she was carrying in the folds of her mantle some provisions for the poor, she met her husband returning from the chase. Astonished to see her bending under the weight of her burden, he opened the mantle which she kept pressed against her, and found in it nothing but beautiful red and white roses, although it was not the season for flowers. Bidding her pursue her way, he took one of the marvelous roses and kept it all his life. On her husband's death she was cruelly driven from her palace and forced to wander through the streets with her little children, a prey to hunger and cold. But she welcomed all her sufferings and continued to be the mother of the poor, converting many by her holy life. She died in 1231 at the age of 24. Reflection This young and delicate princess made herself the servant and nurse of the poor. Let her example teach us to disregard the opinions of the world and to overcome our natural repugnances in order to serve Christ in the persons of his poor. November 20th, St. Felix of Velos. St. Felix was son of the Count of Velos. His mother throughout his youth did all she could to cultivate in him a spirit of charity. The unjust divorce between his parents matured a long-formed resolution of leaving the world, and, confiding his mother to her pious brother, Thibault, Count of Champagne, he took to the Cistercian habit at Clairvaux. His rare virtues drew on him such admiration that, with St. Bernard's consent, he fled to Italy, where he led an austere life with an aged hermit. At this time he was ordained priest, and his old counselor having died, he returned to France, and for many years lived as a solitary at Serfroid. Here God inspired him with the desire of founding an order for the redemption of Christian captives, and moved St. John of Matha, then a youth, to conceive a similar wish. Together they drew up the rules of the Order of the Holy Trinity. Many disciples gathered round them, and, seeing that the time had come for further action, the two saints made a pilgrimage to Rome to obtain the confirmation of the order from Innocent III. Their prayer was granted, and the last fifteen years of Felix's long life were spent in organizing and developing his rapidly increasing foundations. He died in 1213. Reflection Think how much, says St. John Chrysostom, and how often thy mouth has sinned, and thou wilt devote thyself entirely to the conversion of sinners. For by this one means thou wilt blot out all thy sins, in that thy mouth will become the mouth of God. November 21st, the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Religious parents never fail by devout prayer to consecrate their children to the divine service and love, both before and after their birth. Some amongst the Jews, not content with this general consecration of their children, offered them to God in their infancy, by the hands of the priest in the temple, to be lodged in apartments belonging to the temple, and brought up in attending the priests and Levites in the sacred ministry. It is an ancient tradition that the Blessed Virgin Mary was thus solemnly offered to God in the temple in her infancy. This festival of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin, the Church celebrates this day. The tender soul of Mary was then adorned with the most precious graces, 
an object of astonishment and praise to the angels, and of the highest complacence to the adorable Trinity. The father looking upon her as his beloved daughter, the son as one chosen and prepared to become his mother, and the Holy Ghost as his darling spouse. Mary was the first to set up the standard of virginity, and, by consecrating it by perpetual vow to our Lord, she opened the way to all virgins who have since followed her example. Reflection Mary's first presentation to God was an offering most acceptable in His sight. Let our consecration of ourselves to God be made under her patronage and assisted by her powerful intercession and the union of her merits. November 22nd, St. Cecilia, Virgin Martyr In the evening of her wedding day, with the music of the marriage hymn ringing in her ears, Cecilia, a rich, beautiful, and noble Roman maiden, renewed the vow by which she had consecrated her virginity to God. Pure be my heart, and undefiled my flesh, for I have a spouse you know not of, an angel of my Lord. The heart of her young husband, Valerian, was moved by her words. He received baptism, and within a few days he and his brother Tiburtius, who had been brought by him to a knowledge of the faith, sealed their confession with their blood. Cecilia only remained. Do you not know, was her answer to the threats of the prefect, that I am the bride of my Lord Jesus Christ? The death appointed for her was suffocation, and she remained a day and a night in a hot air bath, heated seven times its wont. But the flames had no power over her body, neither was a hair of her head singed. The lictor sent to dispatch her struck with trembling hand the three blows which the law allowed, and left her still alive. For two days and nights Cecilia lay with her head half-severed on the pavement of her bath, fully sensible and joyfully awaiting her crown. On the third the agony was over, and in 177 the virgin saint gave back her pure spirit to Christ. Reflection St. Cecilia teaches us to rejoice in every sacrifice as a pledge of our love of Christ, and to welcome sufferings and death as hastening our union with Him. November 23rd, St. Clement of Rome St. Clement is said to have been a convert of noble birth, and to have been consecrated bishop by St. Peter himself. With the words of the apostles still ringing in his ears, he began to rule the church of God, and thus he was among the first, as he was among the most illustrious, in the long line of those who have held the place and power of Peter. He lived at the same time and in the same city with Domitian, the persecutor of the church, and besides external foes, he had to contend with schism and rebellion from within. The Corinthian church was torn by intestine strife, and its members set the authority of their clergy at defiance. It was then that St. Clement interfered in the plenitude of his apostolic authority, and sent his famous epistle to the Corinthians. He urged the duties of charity, and above all of submission to the clergy. He did not speak in vain. Peace and order were restored. St. Clement had done his work on earth, and shortly after sealed with his blood the faith which he had learned from Peter and taught to the nations. Reflection God rewards a simple spirit of submission to the clergy, for the honor done to them is done to him. Your virtue is unreal, your faith in danger, if you fail in this. November 24th, St. John of the Cross the father of St. John was discarded by his kindred for marrying a poor orphan, and the saint, thus born and nurtured in poverty, chose it also for his portion. Unable to learn a trade, 
he became the servant of the poor in the hospital of Medina, while still pursuing his sacred studies. In 1563, being then twenty-one, he humbly offered himself as a lay brother to the Carmelite friars, who, however, knowing his talents, had him ordained priest. He would now have exchanged to the severe Carthusian order, had not St. Teresa, with the instinct of a saint, persuaded him to remain and help her in the reform of his own order. Thus he became the first prior of the barefooted Carmelites. His reform, though approved by the general, was rejected by the elder friars, who condemned the saint as a fugitive and apostate, and cast him into prison, whence he only escaped, after nine months' suffering, at the risk of his life. Twice again before his death he was shamefully persecuted by his brethren, and publicly disgraced. But his complete abandonment by creatures only deepened his interior peace and devout longing for heaven. Reflection Live in the world, said St. John, as if God and your soul only were in it, so shall your heart be never made captive by any earthly thing. November 25th, St. Catherine of Alexandria Catherine was a noble virgin of Alexandria. Before her baptism, it is said, she saw in vision the Blessed Virgin ask her son to receive her among his servants, but the divine infant turned away. After baptism, Catherine saw the same vision, when Jesus Christ received her with great affection and espoused her before the court of heaven. When the impious tyrant Maximin II came to Alexandria, fastened by the wisdom, beauty, and wealth of the saint, he in vain urged his suit. At last, in his rage and disappointment, he ordered her to be stripped and scourged. She fled to the Arabian mountains, where the soldiers overtook her, and after many torments put her to death. Her body was laid on Mount Sinai, and a beautiful legend relates to Catherine, having prayed that no man might see or touch her body after death, angels bore it to the grave. Reflection The constancy displayed by the saints in their glorious martyrdom cannot be isolated from their previous lives, but is their natural sequence. If we wish to emulate their perseverance, let us first imitate their fidelity to grace. November 26th, St. Peter of Alexandria. St. Peter governed the Church of Alexandria during the persecution of Diocletian. The sentence of excommunication that he was the first to pronounce against the schismatics, Miletius, and Arius, in which, despite the united efforts of powerful partisans, he strenuously upheld, proves that he possessed as much sagacity as zeal and firmness. But his most constant care was employed in guarding his flock from the dangers arising out of persecution. He never ceased repeating to them that, in order not to fear death, it was needful to begin by dying to self, renouncing our will, and detaching ourselves from all things. Peter gave an example of such detachment by undergoing martyrdom in the year 311. Reflection How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God, says our Savior, because they are bound to earth by the strong ties of their riches. November 27th, St. Maximus, Bishop. St. Maximus, abbot of Lyrens, in succession to St. Honoratus, was remarkable not only for the spirit of recollection, fervor, and piety familiar to him from very childhood, but still more for the gentleness and kindliness with which he governed the monastery, which at that time contained many religious, and was famous for the learning and piety of its brethren. 
exhibiting in his own person an example of the most sterling virtues his exhortations could not fail to prove all persuasive loving all his religious whom it was his delight to consider as one family he established amongst them that sweet concord union and holy emulation for well-doing which renders the exercise of authority needless and makes submission a pleasure the clergy and people of Frigis, moved by such a shining example elected maximus for their bishop but he took to flight subsequently he was compelled however to accept the see of Rees, where he practised virtue in all gentleness and died in 460 regretted as the best of fathers reflection masters do to your servants that which is just and equal knowing that you also have a master in heaven november twenty eighth st james of lamarca of ancona the small town of mount brandon in the marca of ancona gave birth to this saint when young he was sent to the university of perugia where his progress in learning soon qualified him to be chosen preceptor to a young gentleman of florence fearing that he might be engulfed in the whirlpool of worldly excesses st james applied himself to prayer and recollection when travelling near assisium he went into the great church of the portiancola to pray and being animated by the fervour of the holy men who there served god and by the example of their blessed founder st francis he determined to petition in that very place with the habit of the order he began his spiritual war against the devil the world and the flesh with assiduous prayer and extraordinary fasts and watching for forty years he never passed a day without taking the discipline being chosen archbishop of milan he fled and could not be prevailed on to accept the office he wrought several miracles at venice and at other places and raised from dangerous sicknesses the duke of calabria and the king of naples the saint died in the convent of the holy trinity of his order near naples on the twenty eighth of november in the year fourteen seventy six being ninety years old seventy of which he had spent in a religious state november twenty ninth st saturninus martyr saturninus went from rome by direction of pope fabian about the year two forty five to preach the faith in gaul he fixed his episcopal see at toulouse and thus became the first christian bishop of that city there were but few christians in the place however their number grew fast after the coming of the saint and his power was felt by the spirits of evil who received the worship of the heathen his power was felt the more because he had to pass daily through the capital the high place of the heathen worship on the way to his own church one day a great multitude was gathered by an altar where a bull stood ready for the sacrifice a man in the crowd pointed out saturninus who was passing by and the people would have forced him into idolatry but the holy bishop answered i know but one god and to him i will offer the sacrifice of praise how can i fear gods who as you say are afraid of me on this he was fastened to the bull which was driven down the capital the brains of the saint were scattered on the steps his mangled body was taken up and buried by two devout women reflection when beset by the temptations of the devil let us call upon the saints who reign with christ they were powerful during their lives against the devil and his angels they are more powerful now that they have passed from the church on earth to the church triumphant november thirtieth st andrew apostle st andrew was one of the fishermen of bethadia and brother perhaps elder brother of st peter 
and became a disciple of St. John Baptist. He seemed almost eager to bring others into notice. When called himself by Christ on the banks of the Jordan, his first thought was to go in search of his brother, and he said, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. It was he again who, when Christ wished to feed the five thousand in the desert, pointed out the little lad with the five loaves and fishes. St. Andrew went forth upon his mission to plant the faith in Scythia in Greece, and at the end of years of toil to win a martyr's crown. After suffering a cruel scourging at Petre in Achaea, he was left bound by cords to die upon a cross. When St. Andrew first caught sight of the gibbet on which he was to die, he greeted the precious wood with joy. Oh, good cross, he cried, made beautiful by the limbs of Christ, so long desired, now so happily found. Receive me into thy arms and present me to my master, that he who redeemed me through thee may now accept me from thee. Two whole days the martyr remained hanging on this cross alive, preaching with outstretched arms from this chair of truth to all who came near and entreating him not to hinder his passion. Reflection If we would do good to others, we must, like St. Andrew, keep close to the cross. End of section 23 Recording by Maria Therese